John chapter 15, the Gospel of John chapter 15. I appreciate the opportunity, the invitation to come. appreciate your presence. Uh, we're going to begin in John, then we're going to flip-flop back and forth. So if you will, keep your Bible uh, open if you'd like to follow along. We're going to begin John in chapter 15, verse 1. And before I get started, I want to ask a question. It's, it's kind of a, I say a dumb question whenever you think about talking to to church people, but but in all reality, it's it's not because if if the question was truly on everybody's heart in the 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 community, then the church would be packed. They'd be standing room only, and that goes for every church across Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, and the world. But because the question is not on everyone's heart, because the question is not usually answered truthfully, uh, you, you see churches that are are not packed to the brim, not standing room only not having two and three week revivals where you have a couple of dozen baptisms like you used to. Uh, and the question is, is how do we value God? Uh, how do we value Jesus? Where do we put him on uh, the priority list? Uh, all too often, we don't put God in his place. Uh, so we're going to try to answer that question with the Bible and, and talk about a little bit where we're supposed to put him. Uh, verse 15, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 15, verse 1 the Gospel of John. I am the true vine. Jesus talking here. And my Father is the husband. And every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Heavenly Father, thank you for blessing all of us with health and strength to be safe here again this morning. Lord, thank you for this wonderful day, Lord. Thank you for your wonderful word that, that in your word, Lord, not only do we see an instruction manual for our life, not only do we see where our priorities should lie, Lord, we see your plan of salvation we see your plan for our life if we'll allow you to use our life for your will and for your honor and your glory. Lord, I pray that it will be on everyone's heart that we could allow you to use our life. Lord, not for our honor and glory, but for the furtherance of your kingdom, for the furtherance of your gospel. Lord, that in some small way uh, we might lead some lost soul to Christ. Lord, that in some small way our light could shine as you command it to. Lord, be with us through this service throughout the day. All those in need of our prayers, forgive us where we fail you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's talk numbers just a second. We, we, we read that, that Jesus is the vine and God is the husbandman. And so if, if he is, then, then we see him as valuable. Uh, he's putting it in terms that the people around him, his disciples and the, the, the crowds, if you will, can understand. Uh, so we're going to put it in terms that we can understand. Everyone recognizes numbers. So on a scale of one to zero to ten, uh, where do you and I rank? Uh, because the best that we can possibly do is still nothing before God. The best that we can possibly achieve without Him is a zero. And so if you count everybody in this church and you have a big whiteboard right here and you put our value up here, we're all zeros. But the kicker is where do you put God? Because if we're all zeros, all God has to be is a one to beat us. And so if God is a one and we're a bunch of zeros, if you put him at the end, then the grand value of this church is one, just God. 
But if we allow God to use us and you put that one over here at the beginning, then all the zeros are used by that one. And so if you have three zeros plus God, that's a value of a thousand. Four zeros, five zeros, six zeros, and you understand the way it grows. The where we put God determines our value. Where we put God determines how he is able to use us in his will, in his plan, in his grand scheme of things. And we read here and the, the, the end of verse 5 is where I really want to kind of hone in on. It says, without me, you can do nothing. We are all zeros. God is our one. If we place him at the end, then our value does not increase at all. But if we place him at the beginning, if we put God above all other things, if we put the work of Christ above all else, then our value increases. Not only that, our value in his kingdom increases. But the kicker is that we can, without me, verse 5, for without me, you can do nothing. Not only is our value a mute point without Jesus, our value can be argued that it's negative. Because if we're not with him, we're against him. And we're going to get to that in a few minutes. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Turn with me, if you would, to John in chapter 3. Just flip over a few pages. The Gospel of John in chapter 3. We read here of a, a conversation that Jesus had with a man called Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, but a Pharisee. And Nicodemus really struggled with the concept of salvation because he was holding on to things that he had. He thought his value was, was on up there a piece. He thought, look at me, I'm a... Pharisee, I'm a ruler of the Jews. I'm exactly where I need to be. But he was missing something. Verse 3 in chapter 3. I'm sorry, verse 2. He came to the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said, Verily, except a man, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so this kind of messed with Nicodemus' brain. He, he said, How can a man uh, be born a second time when he is old. How can he enter again into his mother's womb? Jesus said, no, you're not understanding what I'm saying. Jesus said in verse 5, Verily I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Until we are born of the Spirit, our value can't go up. Until we have God with us, then that one is never added to the board anywhere. We're just flat zeros. Without Jesus, we can do nothing. Without Jesus... We cannot be born again. We cannot have God with us. We cannot become in conjunction with the Holy Spirit without at first accepting Him as our Savior. Whenever we do, then we have to put Him in our place. So look down if with, me, with me, if you would, to verse 27, John in chapter 3. We'll back up to 26 so we can get a context to where we're at. And they came unto John, verse 26 of chapter 3, and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come unto him. John answered and said, A man cannot can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but a friend of the bridegroom which standeth and heareth him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This, my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. In verse 30, you see posted all over the place. Our church has a Facebook page, and that is the cover photo. Verse 30, he must increase, but I must decrease. 
in order to put God where he belongs, in order for God to be able to use us, in order for, for our value to legitimately increase, we have to, we have to first decrease. There's quotes that's on people's walls all over the place. I, I think my wife has a plaque with it on it at our house. Uh, whenever you can't stand tall, sometimes you have to kneel. Or you're uh, standing tall for God is kneeling in prayer. You understand where I'm coming from. Until we, until we seek God, anything that we do is in vain. Until we accept the fact that we have to decrease, everything that we do is in vain. Here, John was sent uh, before Jesus to baptize, and they came to him and said, Hey, the, the one you're talking about, the one that you're a forerunner of, the one that you have been telling us about forever, he's here, and he's baptizing John said, you bear witness that I am not the Christ, but I am sent before him. One day Jesus is going to come back. And, and it's not a question oftentimes we hear, well, we have to make a, a decision whether to accept Jesus as our Savior before we get saved. And, and, in the, and yes, that is correct. But, but everyone is going to accept Jesus. Everyone is going to recognize the value of Christ. Everyone is going to see him as a savior of the world. The only question is whether it happens in this life or whether it happens at the judgment. Whenever every knee bows and every tongue confesses. And that is the difference in heaven and hell. And that is the difference in, in whether or not we... Oh, let's go ahead and read it. He said, I am not the Christ, but I am sent before him. It is whether or not we become a witness for him. Here John was telling people about Jesus. So what does Jesus tell us to do? What are we supposed to do every day? We're supposed to tell others about him. If our value has truly decreased, if we have legitimately put God above all else, uh, there's an acronym and, and young people would probably know it. It was real hip back in school five, ten years ago. It was an acronym called BAE, B-A-E. And you called your significant other BAE because it, it stood for before all else. It was sweet. I even told my wife that one time. But it's not right. It's not right. Because God should be before all else. And oftentimes we, we come up with an ethical dilemma whenever we say, well, do we put him before our family? Yes. Job did. God did. God sent his son here to die. God sent his son here so we would not have to experience hell so we would not be judged for the sin that that we commit on a daily basis god said put everything before uh, put him above everything because without him we can do nothing for him to increase we must decrease turn with me if you would to matthew in chapter six matthew in chapter six all too often in this world we get our roots dug too deep i'm guilty of it myself i'm from pine louisiana i absolutely love being from pine louisiana I make fun of people from Pine, Louisiana because that's where I'm from. I know how dumb we are. We can't help it. We went to Pine High School. My roots run deep. I went to college at Louisiana Tech, and I, I told people I'm from Pine. I wouldn't say I was from Franklin for nothing. And if they didn't know where it was at, I would draw them a boot, and I'd put a star in the toe because that's where I'm at. My roots run deep in Pine, but, but we're not... We're not called to plant roots here on this earth. We sing a song, this world is not my home. And yet we still plant roots. We're still afraid to move. We're still afraid to, to turn loose of things of this world and put our faith and our hope in God. And I'm not talking about just disconnecting with everything that's monetary. I'm talking about not placing those things above God. I'm talking about recognizing that, that, 
that this world is actually not our home. And that someday, like the song we just sang about the... I call, some call it heaven and I call it home. Someday we will be home. Then we can plant roots. But until then, Pine is just my temporary home. Uh, Columbus, Mississippi, Alabama, it's just our temporary home. And if we value God above all else, one day our mansion will be in heaven. And that will be our permanent home. Matthew in chapter 6, verse 19. Matthew in chapter 6, verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's a kicker, ain't it? Especially as, as much as we love money, and as much as we love things, and as much as we love possessions, and as much as we value the way we look and the way we, uh, the cars we drive and, and the things that, that other people see in this world, this is a hard one to get over. This is a hard one to let God take over. Lay not for yourselves, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth because these things are only temporary. One of my kids, I teach high school down in Louisiana. Um, one of my kids came back Thursday. We had the Mardi Gras break Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. He come back Thursday, and he just had on jogging pants and flip flops and a hoodie. And, and I asked him, I said, "Why are you out of uniform?" He said, uh, "He said my house burned Tuesday." I didn't get mad at him for being out of uniform after that. He was disconnected from all his earthly possessions. He was gone. He wasn't home. The only thing that that he made it with, the only thing that didn't get burned up in the fire, was the clothes that he had on at the time, the things that he had in his pockets at the time. He had two little brothers. The only thing that they made it out with was their clothes there was nobody home the house burned to the ground there was nothing left and so i asked him i said what are y'all doing he said oh i'm I'm just glad i still got my brothers because they can't be replaced everything else can be replaced things that we give up for god in this world if it's really for his cause and for his will they can be replaced they can all be replaced but whenever we put someone, something else above God, whenever we choose not to bring our children to church, whenever we choose not to read and study our Bible at home, those are things that have dire consequences. Because you don't see churches full today as they were 50 years ago, not because the Word of God is not as powerful, because it is. Not because the opportunity does not present, present itself, because it is easier to get to church today than it was 30 years ago. It's losing because God no longer has a value in homes. God no longer has a value in churches. It's, it's placed, uh, they play sports above God. They, they put convenience above God. Time. I was talking to a guy yesterday and, and he said time is a kicker. It really is. It's, it's terrible and it's awful and there's never enough of it. And there's not to do the earthly things. But whenever we truly put God in his place, reading and studying our Bible becomes valuable. And yes, it may cost us a little bit of TV time in the afternoon. Doggone it, we may miss the weather that we sat down and watched for 45 minutes every evening. We may miss a basketball game that's on TV that don't mean much. We may miss half the Super Bowl for a Sunday night service. Is it worth it? I can't tell you who won the Super Bowl last year. Can't at all. But I can tell you how much God has blessed my family. I can tell you how much God has meant to me and my family and our church and our extended family and 
I can tell you how much God means to everybody. Whether they recognize it or not, without him, we can't stand up and take another breath. Without him, our kids can't function. Without him, our kids don't have an opportunity to get saved that we did. And so at what point are we going to allow these things to take over our lives and become more valuable to God? Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Kings in chapter 18. 1 Kings in chapter 18, we read of a, a time where Baal was placed over God. 1 Kings in chapter 18, the nation of Israel is at a crossroads. They don't know whether to, whether to call God God or to call Baal God. Verse 21, I'm sorry, verse 19 of chapter 18. Now therefore send and gather unto me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450. And the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto the children of Israel and gathered the prophets unto, together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And people answered him, Not a word. Whenever you ask somebody what is most important to them, it's, it's easy to come up with a, uh, an answer. It, it really is. If somebody asks me, what is the top three most important things in your life? That's simple. If someone asks you on the spot, what is something you couldn't do without? You can come up with an answer. The proof's not in what you say. People lie. People don't think things all the way through. A lot of times in, in the, the heat of the moment, we don't quite recognize different things that we, we can't do without, different things that we take for granted every day. So here he asked them, he said, how long will you be halt between two opinions? Which one are you going to follow? You, you can't flip-flop back and forth. We're reading the New, New Testament where Jesus says you, you can't serve God and mammon. you got to pick one. And here there was a trial by fire. Verse 22, then Elijah said unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. So mathematically speaking, who had the advantage here? Strictly mathematically speaking, the prophets of Baal had the advantage. 450 to 1. So he was outnumbered by 450. 49 people, if I'm not mistaken. Like I said, I went to Pine Math. It's not my strong suit. If I'm not mistaken, 449 people more than Elijah. But the thing the prophets of Baal didn't quite realize is that, that, is that one person can be the majority if that one person has God. Now, a quote uh, was in our Sunday school book a couple of weeks ago, maybe months ago. Uh, God plus one is the majority every time. Every time, if we allow God to become that one at the beginning of our number, then, then them zeros can go on for as long as people will allow God to use them in their life. Right here, Elijah said, I, even I, only remain. Regardless of whether everybody else fell away from God, if everybody else was going to forsake the Bible and come into church, would we still show up? If everybody else stopped praying, would we still pray? We read the account of Daniel. He kept going. 
even at the hands of a, a, a threat to be mauled to death by lions, he kept going. At what point do we, do we stop serving God? Shouldn't be a point in all reality. We're going to read about Job in a little while. Here Elijah said, I even only remain and we. We all know the story. I'm not going to read all the way through it. But in verse 30, when it was all over, and Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him and repaired the altar of the Lord that was breaking down. So after they saw the, the failures of the prophets of, the, of Baal, once they saw exactly what didn't happen, whenever they saw how the world is not always there for them, whenever they saw that they can't put their faith in things that are not real, Elijah said, come a little closer. I want y'all to see this really good. He said, come on, come a little closer. Verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. Verse 39, and when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces. And they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. One man turned the whole nation back to God, back away from Baal, because he didn't stop believing. Because he decreased to allow God to increase. Because he placed the value of his God above everything else. No doubt these prophets of Baal could have rose up against him and, and taken his life. No doubt that crossed his mind at some point. Didn't matter. One man with God became the majority. Second Kings in chapter, excuse me, chapter six. Second Kings in chapter six. We read of Elisha. That was Elijah we just read about. Elisha and his servant. Whenever we have God with us. What's the Bible say? Who can be against us? Whenever we have our life surrendered to God, there's no limit to how far he can go with us. And there's no limit to, to how much good he can do in our life. During Sunday school this morning, we talked about the love of God. And, and, and all too often, we don't exemplify that love of Christ in our life. We'll tell people I love them, but until we stop and we help that person with their groceries, until we stop and we help this person that is in need, until we say, hey, brother, I'm praying for you then words mean nothing until we do something about it. Verse 15 of 2 Kings in chapter 6. And when the servant of the man of God was risen up early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city, both horses and chariots, and his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. He walked outside and, and no doubt they were kind of in a valley and he looked around and they was just, I mean, people everywhere. Just horses and chariots and, and if it was today, you would see helicopters flying across, probably tanks all the way around. I mean, surrounded on all sides and they're sitting over here with a BB gun like, what am I going to do? Elijah said, fear not. He said, whoop-de-doo. I've heard a lot of people say it and I think it's kind of funny, but they, they I heard a lot of people say it's a sin to worry. Because whenever we worry, we don't think God can take care of us. Here, this, this man was worried. The servant that had been through all sorts of things with Elisha, he'd seen this man do great things. 
And he was scared to death. He said, fear not. They that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he might see. And the Lord opened his eyes, the eyes of the young man. And he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite the people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote the people with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And you talk about a man that is powerful with God. How many times does God answer our, our prayers just as powerfully and we don't recognize it? We take it for granted whenever we say, Lord, thank you for the strength throughout the day. Be with my family. We don't realize what God has taken care of throughout the day. We don't realize how many accidents he has kept us from. We take it all for granted because it's here. But God answers prayers if we keep him in the, the top of the priority list in our life. God takes care of us. The, the chariots of fire was around Elisha before the guy's eyes got opened. They were up there the whole time. But the guy couldn't see them. If we keep God at the top of our priority list, he will take care of us regardless of who is around us. Turn with me, if you would, to Job in chapter 23. Job in chapter 23. We all know the story of Job. I'm not going to go back and rehash it. Job was a just man, a righteous man. He had everything he needed. But to prove a point, Satan said, I know I can make him turn on God. You think Satan could make, make us turn on God? put Job through a lot. Chapter 23 of Job. After Satan had his way, Satan tore the man down. He took his possessions. He took the things that, that were rooted and grounded in this world. He took everything that he could touch. But Job had something that Satan couldn't touch. Friend, if you're here and saved, we have something that, that Satan can't touch. We have something that he, he can't smite. He, he can't... He can take our health, but he can't take our salvation. He can take our possessions, but he can't take our hope. Chapter 23, verse 12. Now let's start in verse 10. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot hath held his steps, and his ways have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the word of his mouth more than my necessary food. He said he prioritized the, the word of God above all things. Job went through all of this and still said that, that the word of his lips is more valuable to me than food. And I, I've been guilty of it myself. How many times do we dust our Bible off before we come to church? All too often we will forget where we put it because maybe we didn't touch it in between services. If it's that valuable, well, let me use an example that most of us will understand. If we catch a real big fish or shoot a real big deer, how many people do we tell about it? We see it as valuable. My brother, he's both of them real big fishermen. And they, I mean, pictures all the time of big bass. Friends of mine I went to school with, big hunters, ducks, turkeys, deer, everything. I mean, all the time on social media. If they shoot something, they're going to send everybody a picture of it. Because it's valuable to them. They want to brag about it. How many times do we share the word of God? It's 
more valuable than fish. It's more valuable than deer. Turkeys, work, hobbies, possessions, art. It's more valuable than all of that. But we don't blast it out to everybody as often as we do things that we want to brag about. Even though we, we claim that this is, is more valuable, we claim that we have, we have put God above all other things, and yet all too often we don't prove it. Elijah proved it. Elisha proved it. Job proved it. Daniel proved it. Paul proved it. Peter proved it. John proved it. Turn with me, if you would, to Romans in chapter 5. I'm going to talk about one more person that proved it. Love above all else. Kind of the same thing the Sunday school talked about this morning. Not only are we required to, to prioritize God, we often miss the fact that God prioritized us. We, we, we're supposed to put God above all else. We're supposed to to value His Word. And we'll take for granted the fact that He valued us above His Son. He valued us above the, the judgment and, and casting death and hell upon His only begotten Son. Allowing Him to come down here and be physically and emotionally and spiritually tortured on this earth so that we would not have to go through that. That's a love like we don't see on this earth very often. That's the love that we're supposed to show to others. Romans in chapter 5, verse 8. But God commandeth His love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't deserve it. But God still loved us enough to put us at the top of His priority list, each and every one of us. And we didn't deserve it. God does deserve it. So why do we not put them at the top of ours? Why do we value things over reading the Bible? Why do we value the, the way people's going to look at us over whether or not we pray in a restaurant? The company we keep, why do we not tell them about Jesus? As a school teacher, I come in contact with 100 kids a day, and oftentimes I fail to, to be the example that I should, but not only at our jobs, but at Walmart and church on the road, at the feed store, people that we come in contact with every day. If God is, is truly a priority in our life, if we have put God where He should be in our life, then He's something to brag about. He's something to tell others about. Not just because we want to, we want to spread the gospel, but because this lost and dying world needs Jesus above all else. Before everything else, before hunting, before fishing, before football, before basketball, before TV, before everything, this world needs Jesus. And as the church, it is our job to get the word out to them. If you're here and not saved, I'm going to read this verse one more time. But God commandeth his love toward us, then that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We did not deserve salvation. We can't earn it. Every no doubt everyone in here can probably quote John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. Why? For God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that 
whosoever believes in him. Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish. He died for us so that we shall not perish. He died for us so that there is an alternative to hell. He died for us so that we might live. My prayer to God is that each and every one of us here could, could be a greater example every day of the love that God has shown toward us, of the love that Jesus lives within us. And if you're here and lost, that you wouldn't waste another day on your road to hell. That you would accept Christ as your Savior and be saved. Because one way or another, you're going to accept that Jesus died for you. You're going to accept that He's the only begotten Son of God. Whether it's here or the judgment is a difference in eternity, in heaven or in hell.